0: Can you tell me what it's been like to um, work with this production? What is your role in it? And, you know, how have you communicated with the director to uh, make sure their vision is done well?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, overall, this process has just been incredible. I've gotten to work with some amazing actors. There's 14 people in the cast, and they're— all amazing to work with. They're all very punctual. They're all doing everything that they're supposed to, whether I ask them to do it or the director, uh, Roger Merrill, asks them to do it. Um, the process has just been been incredible because it, it hasn't nearly been nearly as stressful as I've been told stage managing is um, because the stage manager essentially oversees the entire production. Like Every week they run production meetings with... Um, with the entire design team and the director and they're the ones in charge of those meetings like they schedule them they you know they run them they take notes over them and they send those out and they're always communicating with the designers and the actors at any given time but because everybody has just been so on top of things during the production it hasn't it really hasn't been too stressful for me which is which is fantastic because I'm also taking classes and trying to live a life um then, you know, as for the director, I, I communicate with him very, very regularly. Like, I, I text him every now and then uh, with certain questions. I, I meet with him usually briefly at the end of every rehearsal to just discuss what we're going to go over the next day. And Roger Merrill, he's, he's a great director. He's, um, he's, like, he has such a clear vision in his head, and whenever uh, I watch him direct— it's really easy to see what vision he's going for, um, especially when it comes to this show, because this show, he wants it to be very mysterious, but he also wants it to be very comical and very physical. There's a lot of physical comedic elements to this show, and I think he's doing a great job at making sure that his vision is realized in that sense.
0: What are some attributes that you have noticed, observed from Roger Merrill that you might want to take with you yourself and wanting to be a director one day um well
1: like I said he's really good at communicating his clear vision especially when he's like fine-tuning a scene like nitpicking all the smallest things like even last night he just said like oh I know it feels like I'm directing your pinky finger but if we get this down the audience will love it and and um and I actually personally love that I'm I'm a fine details kind of guy whenever I you know give direction for certain things and um that's the kind of director I want to be as well, is I want to focus on those little things so the whole itself just looks better. And I don't know if you were able to... You were probably able to see The Hunchback of Notre Dame this past winter. He was the director of that as well. And I was an actor in that show, and he did the same thing with with us for that show, where he just... He focused on those small, minute details, but it just made the whole show look incredible by just focusing on those little things. And that's the kind of director that I would want to be if I were to direct a show one day.
0: I think most of us have seen some type of depiction of Sleepy Hollow, seen a movie or whatever. <laughs> yeah. um, can you just give us a little summary, though, of people who are not familiar with it? Or maybe there's just some differences that you guys have added with this production?
1: Yeah. So there is a movie adaptation of this story um, directed by Tim Burton, starring Johnny Depp. Um, uh, And this is a very classic story. It's actually based on a poem. I can't remember the person who wrote it. I can't remember his name, but it was written like sometime in the 1800s, post Revolutionary War. Um, and it takes place in colonial times, like early 1800s, late 1700s. So the costumes are all, you know, colonial style, tri corner hats. Um, and most people who are familiar with anything Halloween related know what the headless horseman is like they it's a, it's a guy in armor on a horse that has like a pumpkin that sometimes has flames on it. Uh the legend of Sleepy Hollow is centered around that uh that entity, that headless horseman and um the version we're doing is uh a lot more ch- uh kid friendly. It's a lot more family friendly. It's uh it still has some spooky elements, but it, to me it reminds me a little bit of the Nightmare Before Christmas where it has those elements of horror to it, but it's still fun for the whole family to sit down and watch around Halloween time just to get the kids a little bit spooked up and warmed up for Halloween because the show is happening right before Halloween. I think it will be a great precursor to the actual uh the actual holiday once we get to it so and the the story centers around a guy named uh, Ichabod Crane. He's like the schoolmaster and like choir teacher at the uh, at this town of Sleepy Hollow in uh, New England. And he is, like, so against ghosts and superstitions, and he's so, like, no, none of that's real. The legend of this Headless Rider is not real, doesn't exist, but everybody else in the town is like, ah, I saw the Headless Horseman do this, blah, blah, blah. And he has a couple of people in the town that like to bully him, specifically one character named Brom Bones, who is, like, the antagonist of the story. Uh, There's a little bit of a love interest with a character named Katrina in the story. Um, but like I said, this this version we're doing is much more family-oriented. It's a lot more silly. There's some stuff that I think that the
0: entire family can enjoy for the, from this. Yeah. And you were mentioning mm-hmm. the uh, design team, well, the uh, costume uh, design team. What was some of the notes and things that you guys wanted to communicate to that team just to make sure that, the look is right of the time period. Uh well yeah, so like I said earlier
1: this uh story takes place in colonial times, post revolutionary war like just after the war. Um and so a lot of the costumes are based off of that like they got the three-cornered hats, they got like those fancy jackets with like the 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 high like tube socks and like the nice buckled shoes and uh and all that. So in terms of costumes it takes place around there. Um and as for the like design of the set it's the set we're using is actually very simplistic it's essentially just a couple of platforms put together one lower one higher um, but what creates the uh the feeling of this definitely doesn't take place modern in modern times is for for one thing the costumes and also um i think the lighting the lighting design is going to look really cool i haven't personally seen it yet because we haven't been using lights at up to this point but there's a couple of sequences that involve uh, silhouetting uh, with like actions going on in the back. And that's because the director wants to create a sense of like flashback. Um, as if maybe, and sometimes even create a sense of maybe some of this stuff isn't real and isn't actually happening. So um, the director wants to create almost a sense of mystery like what's real and what's not. And the ending of the play, especially, has like a really amazing design. By uh by Gary Benson, uh who's a co lighting designer for this show, and he is planning to do a really really awesome design with lights and fog to create like this big projection of like a a fiery jack o' lantern to signify the headless horseman. It's gonna look really cool.
0: That sounds super cool. Oh, it's it's gonna <laughs> be great. He, sho- he showed it. me
1: a he showed me a video of his prototype for that, mm-hmm. and I was like. That if we can pull that off, it's going to look amazing, and the
0: audience will be blown away. <laughs> what are some unique challenges that you've have seen uh, that the cast and crew has faced so far? Um. Well, one,
1: one funny I guess challenge that the cast uh, dealt with this past week is there's uh, towards the end there's like a um, six minute almost six minute dance. Uh, scene where there's no dialogue it's just music and just all of this dancing Um, and on Monday and Tuesday of this past week um, and a little bit on Wednesday as well uh, we had Eric Oliphant who's uh, one of the faculty Uh, he came in to help choreograph that and I just remember watching them dance and the dance looked so fun and they they did the cast did a phenomenal job at learning that dance but by the time they were done they were just exhausted Mm -hmm. And some of them even said that their feet hurt, so we let them, you know, change their shoes so that they could wear something a little more comfortable. Um, so that was one challenge physically is just getting that dance down to where they weren't super dehydrated and out of <laughs> breath afterwards. Because on Tuesday, they danced for, like, almost three hours straight. It was, it was nuts, but they pulled it off. Um, and, like, just as for the design team, um, some of the challenge has just been making – Because the problem with this show is that it's the first show of the semester, and we didn't really do much with it over the summer. Um, And so one challenge has been, like, getting all of the designs off the ground from the start of the semester and making sure that they're all ready to go by the time we start uh, doing uh, Tech Week, which is the week before we open.
0: Um. I think you mentioned it a little bit before, but what are uh, the roles, what roles does lighting and sound design play in creating that spooky ambience of the legend of Sleepy Hollow?
1: Yeah. Um, well, as for lighting, like I said, there's going to be a couple of silhouettes uh, thrown in there that help create like a sense of mystery and possibly the idea that some of this stuff is only happening in Ichabod Crane's head and some of it isn't actually real. Um, and like I said, the ending is going to deal a lot with that, with the big projections that we're, that we're planning, um, and as for sound, um, so one thing that's really cool that we're doing is a lot of the sound effects that we're going to be using happen on stage from other actors. Um, for example, the opening scene, there's, it's like a picnic scene and, um, a lot of the sound effects happen from just, uh, the sides of the stage from other actors with like little props doing cool sound effects, um. And I think that design, honestly, also helps gives gives a sense of like, you know, what's actually real and what's not. Because towards the end of the show, the main character Ichabod Crane is going to be on a ride alone, and he has and he may or may not have a run in with the headless horseman. But the sound effects are going to really reinforce the idea that maybe it's real, maybe it's not. So the sound effects, I think, are used to. Um, to really convey convey that sense of mystery, just like the lighting with the silhouettes and the the projections, so I think um the overall vision for the show is it's very whimsical, very comical, but it's also mysterious at the same time.
0: I know there's a specific uh maybe um process in casting you know <laughs> yeah. people for this role, oh, yeah, were you involved in that process at all, and can you tell us like you know how in general? How does a crew or director find that right person for the right role? Yeah, um, so I
1: was a little bit involved with the casting process. I didn't choose any of the actors, but I was the one who put together the audition form for the actors to fill out uh, when they auditioned. It was just a Google form because it was online video submission. Um, they had to do a comedic monologue, as I uh, as I recall, and then uh, Roger Merrill also asked them to... Uh, do a, like a pantomime of some sort. And for those who don't know what a pantomime is, it's essentially conveying a story without words and only using action. You are, you know, but you're not using props either. You are totally acting like you're holding a prop or you're doing something. You're telling a story with only using your body is what a pantomime is. And so there was a one minute comedic pantomime that they were also asked to do. And, I didn't watch all of them, but I watched a, a handful of those, and some of them are really creative. Um, and I, uh, I sent out the audition notice to the department, and um, we had, we had a, dec- a an okay amount of submissions. We, we would have liked to see more people audition for that. Um, and usually during a casting process, the director will want to do something called a callback, which is where um, he calls back a certain amount of people Um, and have them, and he has them read for specific roles to see if they would be right for it, and then soon after the callbacks is when the official cast list is is put out there. But for this cast, uh, Roger decided to just go right ahead and skip the callback process and just go straight into into casting. Um, He cast 14 people in this show. Um, There's six ensemble, and then there... Is Ichabod Crane. There's Katrina. There's Brom Bones, and then a couple of other named characters like a town pastor, uh, Van Ripper, who's like a horse master guy. Um, I might be missing a couple, and I apologize for those listening that I forgot. But um, again, there's 14 people, and and um, I think the way he cast the show ha- was was phenomenal because most of the people in this cast I actually knew beforehand. There's a couple people I had never met before that were cast and. You know, when they when they came in this semester to start working on the show, I was blown away by how dedicated they were. Like, they gave a really good first impression for me. So I think the casting was was phenomenal for this.
0: So what's a message you can uh, give to those who've really never seen a, a play at BYU-Idaho and coming to see you guys for the first time? uh and maybe never seen a Sleepy, the legend of Sleepy Hollow, maybe movie or play, what uh, what advice or, you know, what can you tell them that they're going to expect when they come see your play?
1: Yeah. Um, I think for anyone that has not seen a show at BYU-Idaho and you're coming to see something for the first time, first of all, if it's Sleepy Hollow, it's a great show to to start off. Yeah, expect to see a lot of um a lot of hard work and dedication put into it. Um because the shows, the actors and the technicians for the show, the people working backstage, they're all students and they're they're generally speaking theater majors or theater minors and um they all have a lot of passion for what they do. And so I would say expect to see a lot of passion put into every show because all of the people that I've worked with up to this point they care about what they do and they love what they do and you can tell that they want to do it for the rest of their lives and you can tell that they have quite a knack for it that they're really good at it and um so i would encourage people to just uh to 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 look for that passion because you're definitely going to find it um whether it's in the designing or if it's in the acting or if it's the work that you don't see like for example we have uh for sleepy hollow we have quite a bit of props that we're going to be using and we're going to have a couple of people backstage that are handling all those props and getting them to and from the places that they need to be. And um, in this show, they're going to see a lot of a lot of that prop work. And they're going to be like, that was really cool what they did with the props. And they'll have the, the prop people backstage to thank for that because of their hard work and dedication. So I think overall, um, my piece of advice would be to look for the passion
0: and they'll find it. Love that. Thank you. So what are the show dates? How long are you running the play for? And, you know, where can people find tickets?
1: Yeah, so um, tickets usually go on sale about two weeks before a production opens, sometimes a little bit before. Um, but this show opens on October 18th. It runs until October 28th. Um, it's going to be running Wednesday, uh, the first week. It's going to be Wednesday through Saturday. And then the second week is going to be Tuesday through Saturday with uh, Sundays and Mondays being off. Um, but the Fridays and Saturdays of the performances, we're going to have two performances those days. Um, they're going to both be in the evening, like 1 at 6, 1 at 8. We haven't gotten the time exactly figured out quite yet. but um, So there's going to be 13 performances, 13 chances to see the show. Um, like I said, tickets go on sale a couple weeks before, so sometime beginning of October. Um, you can just... Go online, visit the ticket office, or go to the bookstore and pick up a ticket. And I would highly recommend to those that want to see the show that they get their tickets as early as possible because uh, it's going to be in the black box theater um, in the Snow Building. Um, and those the shows in the black box typically sell out really fast because it's a it's a pretty small theater. Um, so that's that would be my recommendation. Get your tickets fast as soon as they go on sale. And for students, it's only $3. So for people that aren't students, it's only $6. So it's, it's a pretty sweet deal in my opinion.
0: Absolutely. Very affordable. Well, you guys heard it. Get your tickets <laughs> <laughs> as soon as possible. Please. I want you to come <laughs> see the show. Yes, yes. It's going to be a wonderful production. Thank you for joining us today, Dylan, and thank you for giving us insights and information about the uh upcoming Legend of Sleepy Hollow play production. I yeah, really appreciate it. Of course. It. Mm-hmm.